I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Julia Rainey on this episode of Kicked Back presented by Betway and I'm so excited to have Julia on this episode because it's time that we talk about some women's football on Kicked Back and Julia is an extraordinary journalist so who's very well experienced in the women's game so I'm super pumped Julia to have you on here talk to you and maybe inform and educate the audience a little bit about what's been going on and the women's game here in Canada and also across the world because the world women's world cups coming up. So Julia, how are you? Thank you so much for your time. No problem. I'm doing so well. Thank you so much for having me on this show. It's such a exciting time for women's football. Um, I'm just amped to be able to share the story and to talk with you about it today. Awesome. So tell everyone who's listening your experience, the teams you've covered, leagues, maybe some awesome players that you've spoken to. Just tell everyone about yourself. Yeah, definitely. So I actually started my journalism, uh, sports journalism career during my time as a student um, at Toronto Metropolitan University. So very amateur stuff, but basically covering the TMU sports teams there. Um, But it was more just for passion and interest. You know, I've always been obviously interested in writing and sports, but I didn't really know if I could make sports journalism my career because uh, it's a very competitive industry at times. Um, But I just loved it, wanted to, you know, give it a go. But, uh, you know, after my degree, I started freelancing and writing for a variety of news outlets and kind of everything, sports, lifestyle, news, health, food, you name it. Um, But then the pandemic hit. And like so many people, I was just a little bit lost and a little bit stuck and was looking for some motivation, some inspiration. So I made this like dream board and, you know, on my dream board, I had pictures of, um, you know, things I like to do, my favorite football teams and players. Um, And Manchester City is my family's team. My great grandparents are from Manchester, so we've been bleeding blue forever. Sorry to all the United (laughs) fans listening. I apologize. (laughs) But... uh, you know, and my brother and I, we were watching a city game, the city playing uh, in the Premier League one day. We're just chit chatting, you know, at halftime. And like, Julia, like, it'd be so cool if you could write for Manchester City. And I was like, okay, I'm a 22 year old girl from Canada. That's ridiculous. What are the odds of that, you know? But from there, I just like, the bug was stuck in my brain. And I was like, you know what? Heck, I'm just going to give it a shot. So I uh, found the head of editorial on LinkedIn connected with him. I sent my portfolio, basically just was like, I'm so interested in writing for you. I know the odds are slim, but I want to be here and this is what I can offer you. 
Yeah, he actually read it, looked at my stuff, was like, here's some freelance assignments, go to town. I was like, are you serious? So to be honest, it's a little bit nuts to say this, but the first professional team I wrote for um, was Manchester City. Holy, you manifested that. Right? Believe in the power of manifestation, everyone. That's my advice for, you know, aspiring journalists, even people wanting to up their game or just in general, like connect with people, network. You genuinely never know. Who would have thought that me as a 23-year-old young girl from Canada of all places would be writing for their dream club? What the heck? So that is like, and my career just grew from there for sure. Julia, honestly, I'm I, I'm getting emotional listening to this and I have just chills because it's so amazing that you had this vision board, dream board, and, you know, you put City on there and I guess, you know, players and teams that you wanted to write about or talk to one day and then that opportunity came up with one of the biggest clubs in the world. So Mm -hmm. holy, that's a massive accomplishment. I'm sure that there's way more to come for you, but uh, yeah, I just wanted to give you right off the bat, a high five with the way that you approach that. And yeah, it kind of takes a little bit of guts. Hey, to when you're like, as you said, it, our field is so saturated and it does take a little bit of courage to reach out to someone who might be the head of editorial for a club like city. Uh, but you did it and look at the outcome. So who did you end up talking to? Give me like maybe a feature, your favorite feature that you did or your favorite piece that you did for city. You just never know what can happen. Right. If I didn't send that email, that LinkedIn message, I never would have probably had the career that I had today, uh, so far. So, so it's great, but yeah, so city head of editorial, his name's Rob Pollard. He's such a wonderful, wonderful person has been working for, city for years um as obviously like in the editorial journalism side but you know i kind of asked him in one of our meetings i was like why did you give me a chance like i don't like i'm grateful but like i don't understand you know like and what what was it about me he's like you were you know you showed initiative responsibility you showed passion your your email was clean also like you know he's like you wouldn't be surprised the people who send me networking emails with spelling errors who just have no knowledge about the game in general so he's like you knew your stuff so like that made you you know stand out and you just had that that heart and that passion um so that really is sometimes all it takes definitely but for City, I started doing match reaction pieces. Um, so basically just, you know, stuff from the Match Day Live show. I would write about what the special guests said, reactions from social media, pretty basic stuff. Obviously, being from Canada, based in Toronto, I can't go <laughs> to England to interview players like Katie B or Phil Foden or anything like yeah. that. That'd be great <laughs> if so. But I do what I can, you know. So mostly every game did some match reaction pieces. Um, my favorite match reaction was when Holland made his his debut. So obviously there was a lot of buzz, a lot of energy for that. Um, but one of my favorite projects, I guess, for City 2 was I profiled all of the women's players before the women's Euros. Um, that was so special because it was great, um, you know, to be able to like highlight these players ahead of this wonderful tournament, what they can offer. Um, but City's really good about pushing the women's game. Of course, you know, The men are always going to be the dominant one, but they produce content every single day, both the women's team, academy, EDS. Um, And as a woman, it's kind of my duty and it's a privilege to be able to speak about these wonderful female athletes that are inspiring the next generation. So I really enjoyed that project. 
I love to hear that because when you think of Manchester City right off the bat, right now, you think of Holland. Yes, you think about KDB, Foden, Pep Guardiola. Like you think about yeah. the big superstar names that are attached to that club. But I'm glad you brought up the women and I'm so glad that you had the opportunity to profile them, especially before the Euros, which proved to be essential to England overall, that, you know, the women's game is it, it's getting better. We're developing it. There's more attention, but it's, in my opinion, there's still a long way to go. Uh, what do you, what do you feel like in, in terms of your experience covering, uh, you know, at least the city women's team and seeing, you know, navigating that space for the women's sport and, and seeing where it's going to go and where it kind of needs to go. Well, I think the biggest thing for me right now is broadcasting visibility and accessibility. Um, I personally think there is a lack of visibility for women's football. Um, it's it's also really hard because, you know, men's football is, of course, the dominant um, mm-hmm. facet of the game. They're the ones bringing in the revenue from kits, from selling, you know, tickets to all of that stuff. But obviously, you know, for the future of women's game, I just want it to be like any other woman in sport equal. It's going to take a lot of time and it's going to take a lot of pressure, but we're seeing such huge growth. Um, you know, over the last few years, especially like you said, with the women's euros, that was vital as well as growing women's football in England. I think in the WSL in the last year, um, search traffic for the WSL women's football has increased by 92%. So that's huge, 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 huge. Um, For me in Canada, it's, you know, we see things like we can watch the men's teams on variety of TV channels and providers, but where do you watch women's football? You know, what newspapers and media outlets in Canada are covering teams on a regular basis. So without the visibility, women's football isn't going to grow. Mm -hmm. So I really am obviously just hoping for more press coverage, broadcasting, you know, making all of women's football accessible for young people to watch in places in Ontario, you know, all across Canada, of course. But if if people aren't watching the game, if people aren't advocating for wanting to see women play, we're not going to see that grow. So I really just want to see people reaching out there and tweeting and, you know, writing about women's sports because that's going to build the momentum. Well, you've done a great job doing that. So as a, as a woman and a former player, I appreciate, you know, you taking the time and for your heart and passion to be in that, because like you said, that's visibility is one of the most important things. What do you think needs to increase or be better in terms of getting people to actually sit down and realize that Mm -hmm. the women's game is, is quality. It's exciting. You know, it, it deserves the same amount of respect as the men's game, because often I'm met with the topic of, or, you know, the, the conversation of, well, the women's game isn't as interesting or as exciting as the men's. And I'm like, if you don't watch, you don't know. And that's where it's so frustrating for me. So what do people need to do to actually get themselves or what do we need to do as a culture to get people to sit in a chair and turn on, you know, Tottenham versus city for in, in terms of a women's game? I mean, this very basic answer about, you know, what what needs to shift in our culture, but just accepting it and seeing that these women are 
fabulous and they they're so special like this game is so special in the sense that they bring so much passion and skill you know to the field it's such a joy to watch these women are also going against such a long-standing patriarchal system um Mm -hmm. and these athletes you know they're digging their heels into the ground they're saying we deserve to have you know our place in this field we're talented we're courageous um we can put on a show and i think people just need to see these really fabulous human attributes and to just quite frankly put the gender aside for a minute and see okay these women could go on a pitch there's hardly you know any dives there's way less fouls it's just them going out battling it out and to me that is you know so 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 special and it's it's fun it's just fun and to give these people a chance I think you know from a cultural perspective I think it's quite simply just giving it a shot and opening your brain to the possibilities. You know, I think this might not be the right word, but I'm kind of, you know, brainwashed in a way when you think about football, you automatically think of men. So it's just changing this idea of how we perceive what football is, bringing inclusivity and accessibility and equity in it, you know, simply tweeting about it doing your research going to a game put those you know put your bums in the seats and just go give it a shot right so it's just to me quite as simple as just opening your mind and I think we see it as sort of you know other industries like let's say business or culture you have a man and a woman you know going up for the same job of course you're going to want to have equality and you want to be treated fairly so why can't women in sport do that absolutely I love that answer so much With any of the female footballers that you've spoken to or you've interviewed, have any of them ever expressed how frustrating it is for them that the women's game isn't seen on the same level as the men's game? Yeah. So my favorite um, interview and like frustrating things, especially is, um, somebody from, you know, Janine Becky, I spoke to her for waking the red. She was awesome. I just want to say, yeah, my, definitely my favorite footballer I've ever interviewed. She's so well-spoken. I was so nervous to speak with her because she is one of my idols as well, um, in the game, but like, she just treats you like a friend and it makes you feel really at ease and yeah, just shows the power of some of these fantastic female footballers for sure. Um, But to your point, you know, about her speaking about the frustrations, she's like, sometimes people don't take us seriously because they think we're not as skilled um, or we're not as good. The game isn't as fast. It's not as exciting. Like who wants to go see, you know, women on a pitch and we can go see amazing stars like Leo Messi or Benzema or all of these, obviously, you know, big names. And I think sometimes, you know, the women's game, just to a little bit about my answer before, where she was like, it's so mental because we're fighting every single day Mm -hmm. to show the world that we, you know, can hone our craft. We deserve to be here. We deserve a voice. We want to inspire young people. But how can we do that if they, you know, won't put us on TV? They won't tweet about us. They won't give us accessible, you know, resources or equal funding, like with this whole Canadian debacle right now going on with Canada soccer. So it's hard though, because, you know, the men are obviously the ones who are bringing in the higher revenue, the higher funding options. But like I said before, if uh, Janine's right, if we don't, you know, have the visibility, the accessibility, nothing is, is going to change. But I think it'll just take this idea of people watching the game, seeing how crazy brave these women are. They're like, yeah, incredible rock stars. And it's just frustrating that 
people aren't really giving it a shot as much as they should. Uh, first of all, I think it's awesome that you interviewed Janine Becky because she's a rock star. Even when I watched her talk about uh, the World Cup coverage on t- for TSN for the men's uh, for the men's World Cup in Qatar, I was like, she's good at everything. She's good at football. She's good at broadcasting. She seems like she's such a welcoming individual. Like you said, like you spoke to her energy. So good for you with that interview, because that's a big one. But you touched on everything that the Canadian women are fighting for right now. Mm -hmm. Maybe for people that we, uh, listeners that we have in the U.S. or, you know, in Europe, can you kind of break down what our women's team here in Canada have been fighting for it with change? Of course. So in a nutshell, uh, earlier this year in February, um, the women's team released a statement that, you know, basically expressed their shock and their outrage um, after Canada soccer announced significant budget cuts to the national team's programs uh, for 2023. So one of the main points of concern was the fact that the women would not get the same, you know, support. They'd get less compensation ahead of the FIFA Women's World Cup this summer uh, than the men did during their World Cup campaign late last year. So this doesn't necessarily just mean money, but also, you know, less resources, less staff or training opportunities ahead of the tournament. And this is one of the most exciting tournaments in the world for women's sports. So obviously you can see how for these wonderful women, that would be a shock uh, to their system. But, you know, over the last few weeks, few months to protest this, we've seen the women, you know, at the She Believes Cup wearing the purple shirts that said enough is enough on them, wearing their kids inside out to hide the Canadian crest. So they're taking a stand. Um, since then, over the last little while, two Canada soccer have reached a uh, interim funding agreement with the women's team um, before this is also not a permanent, you know, contract. It's just something for the interim because it's complex. It's going to take a mm-hmm. long time uh, to sort out these things. But this interim agreement sort of mimics a similar deal to the men's team. So, uh, yeah, results-based compensation per game incentives. Uh, but the fight is really far from over um, for these women. But I'm just so proud that they're taking a stand finally. You know, we saw the U.S. women's national team do that uh, very successfully. Um, but yeah, I just think these women want to be treated fairly across the board and receive the same ideas and, you know, compensation and support as the men. And really, who can blame them for that? You wrote a great article in the Toronto Star kind of delving into this and bringing up the fact that over 85,000 kids, 85,000 girls in Canada are registered to play soccer or football, whatever you want to call it. It's critical and it's essential that women are starting to be looked at equally. So these young kids, the younger generation get to grow up knowing that if they decide to play football professionally, that's a serious full-time job that deserves respect. So I'm very protective of this conversation in this space because now we're in a time where we have powerful women at the forefront, Christine Sinclair, Janine Becky, uh, Diana Matheson, who are fighting for this. And it means so much to those 85,000 girls. What do you think about your article in the Toronto Star and just basically how you felt after sharing the stories that you did within that article. And how did you feel maybe when you finished, you, 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 you put your last period (laughs) in the document and you're like, okay, I'm releasing this into the world. And I think 
I'm hopeful that change is going to happen. Oh, yeah. It was just really rewarding and special to be able to write about this topic and to do such a deep dive um, into this issue. It's really a privilege to be able to speak about such a timely and an important, um, you know, topic to produce something meaningful. But then also it's a responsibility to impart this knowledge onto people reading it, you know, not just in Canada, but hopefully across the world. And it's just this idea of spreading the awareness um, of the issue. So important. So, yeah, putting in that final submission felt like I was doing my part in this industry and for, you know, the world of women's football, but it's also nerve wracking. You know, it's a very touchy subject. Lots of people Mm -hmm. have different ideas um, about different things. You never know if there's going to be any pushback. And there almost always is when you're writing about kind of tough topics. But I was really surprised at the positive reaction. You know, I spoke with really, really interesting people from all across Canada. I put out a uh, Twitter call for people, you know, wanting to interview them for this article. And I got hundreds of messages from people just wanting to be like, I love it share their stories and they're like hey even if we can't be interviewed like this is awesome (laughs) that you're writing about it like my young girls are seeing this at home being like yeah this is great like let's protest with them and I think that's what this is all about just it was yeah just special to see how how widespread um and just that this idea of equality women's sports is serious you know I love I love that like years ago we wouldn't have seen this and I think this is great. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on what Christine Sinclair and Diana Matheson are doing in terms of the Canadian Women's Pro League? Because when I saw that, I was like, yes, yeah. you go, you go, ladies. Firstly, totally agree with you, elated. Just complete elation when I saw yeah. that tweet, I saw the news went live, but then it was just this huge sense of relief to be like, finally, like finally we have this. But why did it take so long? You know, that's mm-hmm. the next question. But I think we have to leave that one in the past because you know it's just important to look forward and know that there is going to be a future of women's soccer in Canada it's so exciting Um, you know we've have over the last five years the men's pro league here the Canadian Premier League so it's only a matter of time before we had the women's um, you know league come into existence and I just totally agree with you I think it's a wonderful opportunity for you know women Um, athletes here in Canada to know that if you want to play pro, you don't have to go to Europe if you don't want to. You don't have to go to the United States if you don't want to. You can stay home. You can play in your hometown and inspire, you know, the youth who who grew up in the same places as you. And to me, that's so special. So it's now our job with this league moving forward as a country to go to these games, to support the teams, to buy these kits, to tweet about it, to post on Instagram, social media, you know, make buzz about this because this is so exciting. And one of the athletes I talked to for the Toronto Star article, Cassandra Provost, um, she was like, you know, I would have, if I wanted to play pro, she plays for Ottawa. I would have definitely had to go to Europe and like, I don't know if I can afford that. I don't know if I want to leave my family. Right. So this is just such a wonderful opportunity. And I think it shows that, you know, Canadian women in sport, like we're here, you know, especially for soccer, we're a growing country um, in this regard for Canada. And it just, to me, shows that we're willing to invest in women's football. And that's so exciting. 
And you know what? I really appreciate what the men's team have done too, because obviously them qualifying for their first world cup in 37 years and just kind of, you've seen this evolution of football here in Canada. And I'm so appreciative to both the men's and the women's side. And it's not a knock on men's football at all, because I'm such a fan of men's football and the footballers who are on the Canadian team, like Alfonso Davies for me is the best left back in the world uh, for Bayern Munich. And now we're seeing him kind of go back to that position with the Canadian team, but it's not a knock on the men's game at all. I think the fight is just like, just so everyone listening knows it's a fight for women to be appreciated on the same level. It's something that this conversation here with you, Julia means so much to me because again, as a younger player who always was like, okay, but when I'm done, you know, my collegiate career, what does, what's the next step look Mm -hmm. like? How do I make sure that I'm putting myself in a position where I can live and flourish and make money, Mm -hmm. but also do what I love. And those, those questions for me, when I was 2021 had big question marks. Oh yeah. Cause I was like, it might not be a sustainable way for me to live. You know, if I can't make money and I'm spending, you know, eight hours a day, nine, 10 hours a day training and watching film and taking care of my body, then maybe I, I can't really play football. Mm-hmm. And what makes my heart happy is that I'm hopeful in the next decade, women don't even have to think about that conversation. And I feel like we're already kind of in that place now, but I'm hoping that even in the next 10 years, it's getting better and better. Totally agree. I think we are absolutely on the right track. We've seen so much growth already in, you know, not just Canada for a second. Of course, we have this league and that's huge progress in itself. Also, to your point about the men's team, they've also been vital in supporting the women as well. They've been very yes. vocal about that. So I do want to give them credit uh, for that as well. It's so important to have that alliance for sure. Um But yeah, even to what we touched on a little bit earlier, the WSL is the biggest it's ever been in England. They're filling the seats. You know, the Euros was a huge tournament. The NWSL is growing. They're adding teams in rapid speed. You know, the NWSL is also being broadcast in Canada now, which is super exciting. That never used to happen before. So I do think we are, you know, we are absolutely going in the right direction. It's about time. And I just think we need more people to continue to get on board with this, to continue to share the story, because the second we all drop off, the second maybe women's football goes down a little bit. However, we are pushing it, you know, the best we can, obviously, from a news perspective, we're trying to give it as much, you know, fair, equal treatment as we can. Um, So that's really awesome. It's our responsibility from a news end to keep interviewing these athletes, to keep sharing their stories, doing the match reports, you know, advertising is huge. And it's, uh, yeah, just to see such a change even in the last two three years and knowing that it's only going to pick up from here is so so exciting to watch you with your journalism hat what's something you want to accomplish on your end let's say within the next five ten years to help grow the game that is an excellent question and it's something that i think about every day because i am lucky to recognize that i have a voice and i can help inspire others to have a voice too um so for me i want to make covering women's football just more of a priority in the sense of i love the human interest stories i think those are fabulous profiling women you know for example the janine becky profile that i did for waking the red obviously we talked about her outstanding football career and how she really blossomed and just 
you know, how she can obviously inspire young women to follow a similar path. But we also talked about her as a human being, you know, um, her religion, her relationship with life and her family. Um, so I personally think those stories are really interesting because it brings this human connection you know, to the game, people can see this idea of, oh, there's this, you know, wonderful footballer, for example, like in Becky, I relate to her for these reasons. Therefore, I'm going to now watch every single game she plays, for, you know, for the Portland Thorns or Canada. Unfortunately, obviously, she's out with her injury. Um, but I just think, yeah, making these women role models and showing the world that, they're incredible and they can deliver just as much as, you know, any men's team can. So I think just pumping out as much content as possible on social media, pitching stories to any news outlet who will take them writing as much as I can about just showing how exciting, fast paced, brave, courageous this game is, and just continuing to be passionate about this field, looking for new opportunities, you know, is always something I want, I want to do, but I just want to keep ultimately showing the world that these, you know, these women are awesome. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a, it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at bluenile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Makes me so happy to hear. And for everyone listening, you guys can go and find Julia Rainey's work, obviously on Google and also on Twitter. Check out her Twitter. She has all of her information on her bio. And for everyone watching, we kind of had a live ticker go at the bottom. So check out where you'd want to find her on social media or her articles, but definitely worth a read. Definitely worth checking out Julia and everything she's doing to grow the game. So yeah, Julia, I just, I appreciate you saying that. And I'm looking forward to everything you're going to pump out here. Thank you. I'm sure around the women's world cup and yeah, you know the next so decade or whatnot i'm so pumped for you but quick quick question because you bring up janine becky and i believe yep. janine's out with um i think she tore her acl huh yes and crazy i'm so heartbroken for her especially right at the beginning of 
what's going to be or what would have been an outstanding Portland Thorns season for her, as well as right before a World Cup. Like we're talking a few months before a World Cup. I could not imagine, you know, what she's thinking, what she's feeling. But you see her even on her Instagram, you know, today she's posting videos and pictures of her recovery. She's out there grinding to get back on the pitch. She's going to come back stronger. Um, Again, huge inspiration, huge role model. Honestly, I, I, when I saw that, Oh, my heart sank. I had, I had a knee injury for me the third time it was career ending. And I just, whenever I see anything like that, my heart breaks because people have no idea the heart, the energy, the, just the blood, sweat and tears. I know that sounds cliche, but it is truly blood, sweat and tears that go into the daily grind. And Janine Becky is just such a workhorse on the field. And you can just tell she has such a good head on her shoulders that when I saw that, I was like, that is just the worst luck, but uh, I'm just, I'm just hoping that, you know, she can have a quick recovery. Nonetheless, I think that the Canadian teams in, in, you know, really good form ahead of the world cup. I'm really excited to see what they do at the world cup. It'd be incredible to see them go all the way, but in your opinion, who are a couple of players to watch out for and how do you see this team doing? For sure. Um, yeah, I think it's such an exciting time. The women's world cup obviously doesn't come around very often, but it's just a great opportunity at this point to advance the women's game in a time where the game is progressing at rapid speed. So I think it's, uh, it's come at such a, a perfect time uh, for the world right now, but I do think the Canadian team will be looking to add, you know, a podium finish to their resume. Historically, they haven't had the best luck at the World Women's World Cup. Mm-hmm. So I think especially with everything going on right now, you know, with the dispute um, as well, they're just going to want to go out there and show the world what they're made of, you know, what we can do, why we deserve to be here. Of course, winning gold at the Olympics, we know that they can compete against top competition. We know that they can be, you know, clinical and effective when it counts. So I'm really looking forward to seeing that as well. Obviously, players like Christine Sinclair, I mean, she's the best for a reason. She's such a leader. You know, she's getting on her career, of course. So I think she's going to know this is a big moment for her. So I'm really excited to see what role she takes there um also though younger players uh julia grosso jesse fleming i think they're they're so exciting obviously bev priestman has been really growing their attacking midfield partnership um over the last little bit so i think they're definitely going to be exciting young players to watch because they just bring energy and hunger you know to the pitch um also in net, Kaylin Sheridan, she's fabulous. Um, she can perform in high pressure situations, which is really important, obviously, for something as big as the world stage with the World Cup, right? So really excited to see her shine. Um, yeah, I, I just think it's going to be a really exciting time for the Women's World Cup, but they have some tough competition as well. So hopefully they can just, yeah, knuckle down and get her done for a uh, for country. How good is Julia Grosso, please? I remember watching her play at the Olympics and I sent her a message. I'm like, hey, you have no idea who I am. But I like every game I watch you play, she somehow gets better and better. And she's just such a calming composed, confident player in the midfield for Canada, where I think sometimes there was a little bit of a gap where we didn't have someone who was this like playmaker who kept the ball on the ground, who kept the ball quickly moving, playing smart passes, able to thread the needle, but also able to just connect. And she's such a good 
player. Mm -hmm. Like to me, when I watch Julia, I'm like, this is the future of Canada. And I think she has the complete, I already think she's getting there, but she has the ability to be like the face of this national team. She's such a smart player. Mm -hmm. She's just, uh, every time I watch her, I just, I'm like, you go girl. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. I think that and everything she's doing with Juventus, Mm -hmm. obviously playing in Italy with her club, you can already tell she's a superstar over there, but I think it's a very cool picture for these younger players coming in. Because again, I grew up with the Sinclair and Matheson and Timko and, you know, I'm probably a couple others that are escaping me Chapman. I, and it's nice to see this next wave coming in. I think Julia is going to be an integral part of what Canada looks like in the next decade. Absolutely integral. I think, you know, you've hit that nail on the head. She's crafty. She's calm. She's composed. She can, you know, move the ball across the field. She's super pacey, but she just goes out there and is a workhorse as well. So that's exactly what you, you know, what we need, what Canada needs, what the future of, you know, obviously athletes here in Canada, they want to see that. They want to see really fun, exciting players like that and having, you know, new faces come in, especially because, you know, the team does have obviously some veterans with Christine Sinclair and Sophie Schmidt. So it's really fun to see some new, new faces shining. And uh, I just think it's going to be an exciting era. I love to hear it. Okay. We had a couple questions on social media for you, Julia. Uh, the first one was, uh, are university programs in Canada prioritizing helping young athletes to thrive for sure. So I will just preface this, you know, from a student athlete perspective, being saying like, I don't know too much about the university, um, circuit right now because I have been out of the system for a few years. So I don't know if it's changed at all. Um, but I do think, you know, young athletes today in Canadian universities, they do get an excellent combination of things like training, strength training in the gym, gameplay, of course, um, traveling. They're kind of getting this idea of what it's like to be on a pro team, you know, but they're also getting a combination of nutrition, um, help mental, you know, training and obviously access to things like athletic therapy. So that's really important to our point earlier about you know, how do you look after yourself as an athlete? How do you prevent or recover from injuries? So it's really important to have access to to that as well. Um, but I also think it's so great, you know, to have an education as well. We all know that <laughs> professional um, athletics sometimes does not last forever. So it's nice to have something for sure. Yep. To fall back on. Um, but I do think it's tough nowadays to be a student athlete. Of course, you know, you've got lots to think about, lots to juggle between your training, traveling school. Um, but it's really demanding to be an athlete. So I think it's excellent preparation. I love to hear that. And I agree with you because uh, when you're, when you're a footballer or you're any type of athlete, pro athlete, you think that you're hopeful that it's going to be for the rest of your life. However, sometimes life might have different plans for you. And I, again, I I raised my hand for people Mm -hmm. listening when Julia was talking about it, because uh, I thought I'd play uh, football for the rest of my life. And then when I had that injury and I could no longer play, I'm like, okay, my school now needs to be the top priority because I, I need of course, you always need to have a backup plan if your dream doesn't come true. And I'm very grateful for that whole experience because it led me to, uh, you know, other big goals that I've had. So uh, it's very important to stay on top of education. And that's something I always tell young collegiate athletes is take your school as seriously as you do your sport, because you just never know what's going to happen. And that's not to be doom and gloom. It's just to be realistic and smart. So I'm glad that you touched on that. 
For sure. No, you absolutely have to be, you know, realistic and smart in today's day and age. But it's also exciting from a personal perspective, too. Obviously, sport is your world, but you meet incredible different people in your academic program, too. So it's great to have that balance. And I think it's a really special treat to be able to be a student athlete. Big question here. Do you think Mm -hmm. in the coming years, women's football will be just as popular as men's? Well, I sure hope so. I think that would be <laughs> incredible. But of course, you know, there's there's definitely work to be done in terms of broadcasting, visibility, accessibility, you know, to the women's game. Of course, that would be the overall goal. Um, I do think it's going to take some time. Um, naturally, you know, these things don't come overnight because we have been living for so long in a world where men's football is obviously, you know, the dominant and that's not going to change. But as we've talked about, you know, over the last little while, there are there's been incredible progress for the women's game. Strides have been, you know, made. Women's football is becoming more and more popular. So I'm just excited to continue to be part of the conversation. And I really I really do hope so. But it's not just, you know, my opinion. It's everybody else has to think that, too. Everybody else has to get on board. So come on, guys. This is my little butt. Yeah. Like, let's do it. <laughs> Basically, yeah. Julie and I are pushing everyone. Get on board. Um, last question for you. Which women's team and league is at the highest level right now? And do you have a favorite women's team? I love this because it's so it's honestly so tough to answer this question because I see almost it's kind of crazy, but I see almost every women's league shining right now um, in their own way. I've talked about the WSL. It's been as popular as it's ever been. The NWSL is growing. It's being broadcasted everywhere. You know, we're seeing just excellent, excellent football in other leagues, other European leagues, obviously with the Women's Champions League. It's so exciting to be mm-hmm. able to watch that, um, you know, seeing that broadcasted. Um, as for teams that I would say are in their top form right now, oh gosh, probably like Lyon, PSG, Barcelona, Chelsea, Arsenal, Bayern Munich, um, in America, San Diego and Portland. But you never know what's going to happen, right? Every year is going to be, you know, some surprises. Um, So really excited about that as well. I don't know too much about Brazilian football, but I know there's some incredible Brazilian teams out there. So there's, yeah, there's so much talent, so much talent. What, uh, just now, because I'm curious, what was the big reason for the popularity shift with the WSL? Um, I think just the fact that in, in England, I don't know exactly what went on, but they made broadcasting and coverage a priority. I love to, I freaking love to hear that. And everyone needs to follow suit now over there. It is very, not, not quite 50, 50, but it's pushed. It's very, you know, very equal. The bars, the pubs, they play the women's game. How cool is that? You know, we never see that here. And there are so many women's players over there who are really appreciated and loved and admired. And I love to see that. And I'm, I'm hopeful. I love to hear that about broadcasting. I'm hopeful that that starts to translate Mm -hmm. here in North America now. Definitely. I hope so too. But yeah, there's really exciting players over there. Obviously I love my man city girls, but like after the Euros, Chloe Kelly just became an idol for so many people scoring, you know, the game winning goal, taking off her shirt, just like a guy tossing it around. Like that was incredible, incredible moment. And young girls everywhere are are just loving that. And that's what it takes, you know, enrollment and grassroots football over there for women and girls skyrocketed. Just 
having the ability to watch, to expose yourself is honestly key. And I know I've said that a lot, but I'm going to keep hitting that, you know, nail on the head there forever and ever and ever. I, I love that. I hope that this episode finds a lot of young girls, you know, a lot of parents who have young girls who play the sport. And I hope that, you know, it reaches a lot of people who have a love for football and just want to play knowing that, you know, they're in a very safe, protected, well thought out, respected space. And I think, like I said, we've done a lot from when I was a player for the Canadian team to where it is now. And I'm hopeful in the next 10 years, Julia, you and I jump on a call or we go for coffee. Mm -hmm. And we're like, you remember back in 2023 when we were saying, (laughs) when, you know, we were just talking about how we're in a good space, but it could be much better. I'm hopeful that, you know, in the next 10 years, we're like, wow, look at how far we've come. So that's the goal. And hopefully this, this episode reaches all the right people. Totally agree. I, you know, again, I think it's a really good sign that we've seen such progress um, in the last few years and in the future. I'm also very hopeful that we'll sit down and it's going to be great. You know, before you leave, Julia, one last question. Do you think City is going to win the Premier League? Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) You think you think you think they're going to inch closer to Arsenal and and break the hearts of Arsenal fans worldwide? Well, you know, City always has this tendency to go behind and come back in the end. So I really I really do hope so. I'm not going to give up hope and faith, you know, in the lads. But Arsenal is obviously an incredible team. They have so much depth. They have that game winning mentality of pushing all the way to the end. And um, so I think it's going to be a very, very exciting title race. Awesome. Julia, before we hop off, tell everyone where they can find you. Uh, Maybe your Twitter bio, because I know that there's a lot of information about your freelance work. So just let everyone know where they can find you. For sure. So definitely uh, you can reach me on Twitter. My handle's at Julia Leah Rainey. Um, my email is J-L-A-R-A-N-N-E-Y at gmail.com. Send me an email. Um, send me a DM. You can also find me on the same handle on Instagram and TikTok on my website. Uh, sorry, on my bio to Twitter. There's a link to my website, um, which you can reach me there as well. Uh, so yeah, definitely keep Yeah. Reaching out to me, share your ideas with me. Maybe we can make some stories happen in the future. I love it. And I'm going to now put you in the hot seat a little Julia. I appreciate you, your work, your content, your grind. Uh, I think that our women's game needs this more than ever because we're at such a critical point in creating change. And I think your coverage and your interviews and your perspective and how you want to humanize these players and let people know that they're not just athletes, you know, that they're someone's daughter, sister, you know, who are going through struggles. uh, And when they have the ability to go on a football pitch and shine, they deserve to be seen as a footballer and as a human. And I really commend you. I'm getting chills while I'm saying this because I just want to give you a hug. I really commend you on the work that you're doing. I can't wait to keep seeing you succeed. And thank you because you're going to be a critical component in this change that we need so desperately in our women's game. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, well, that's genuinely so kind. Um, the love is completely mutual. I really respect everything you're doing in the industry. Also from, you know, a female broadcasting perspective and news yourself, you're pushing all this wonderful content out in the world. You're part of this conversation. You're showing, you know, girl, young girls too, that let's say you're, you know, you're not an athlete. You can still be part of this industry. Mm-hmm. Women in sport in all facets, we need you ladies. So join us.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.